You know, some people make a big deal out of New Year's and other people don't. Uh, I, I've always been one that, like, every, every new year, it, I'm always, it always strikes me about how fast time goes by, and that's, it seems like it's going by quicker, but I know that's not real. I mean, physics doesn't change, it's just my perception. But, um, yeah, time goes by so quickly, and we can be caught... Uh, Un, uh, unprepared, even though we know something's coming. So, for instance, this year, it's very surprising that we really haven't had a snowfall yet, right? It's, it's January 1st, but we can expect that the snow will come, right? Even, even if for some strange reason it doesn't happen this year, it's going to come next year. And so, but still, every year, there's those folks, and I was one of them a, a couple years ago, where you know the snow is coming, and, you know, your snow shovel broke at the end of last year. But, and you know the snow is coming, but you don't go, and you don't get the snow shovel, you don't get the de-icer, and then it starts snowing, and it's too late. You're like, I can't go out in this, but you're caught unprepared, even though you know the first snow will come. You know it's guaranteed, but yet you're unprepared. It happens to all of us, and... I bring that example up because it's also that Jesus will return one day. Amen. That that is a core conviction of the Bible and for Christianity from throughout the ages. And all signs are in place that we need to be ready. We need to be ready for his arrival. Um, it could be any time. And we don't want to be caught unprepared. I mean, this could be our last year. I mean, think about that. 2024 could be the last year that Jesus could return. Now, for those of you who might be like, yeah, well, you know, 2000, he hasn't come back, so it's probably not coming back next year. Well, here's the thing is that either he will come to us or we will go to him, Amen. right? And, and I'm not saying this to, this is just the reality. And as I've been a pastor for many years, and since I've, I've come here to Second Baptist Church, on average, we have around three, since I've been here, around three members uh, a year die and go to be with the Lord. So some of us, this is our last year, whether Jesus returns or we go to be with him. And that, uh, th those people that go to be with the Lord, that makes up the about 61 million people have died in 2023 worldwide. So 2024 can be the last year for some, even if Jesus does not return. So the question is, are we ready? Are we prepared for that? And this isn't to be scare people. It's just the reality of life. There's, you know, there's only a couple things guaranteed in life, right? It's death and taxes. And and yet, oftentimes, we're not prepared. And again, as a pastor who's done many funerals, some people are prepared, some people are not. And that can both be spiritually, but it also can just be like, well, we don't, you know, we weren't ready. Um, and why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing this up because, yes, it's the new year, but also we're, for the next couple of weeks, we're going back to our series in Matthew, a story bigger than your own. And we've, we come to Matthew 24, verses 36 through 51. And Jesus emphasizes this point. He, he says in verse 44, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so again, what if this is the last year? Are we ready? 
And the context of this, this particular passage I'm going to read, because I know it's been a couple of months and you probably don't remember my sermon from a couple of months ago. I don't even remember it, so it's okay. Um, is that the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus makes this, this, he predicts that the magnificent temple that they're looking at will be destroyed. And that just prompts the disciples to ask, hey, when, when will these things happen and how are they going to happen? And is this related to the end times, the second coming and all of this? And Jesus' answer to that question makes up what's called the Olivet Discourse, which really is just Jesus talking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Right? They don't call it the Sermon on the Mount of Olives because it would be confused with the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. But in, in this, Jesus really talks about the end of days, his return, the second coming. And the main point of the section previous to what I'm about to read is Jesus says, don't, let, don't be led astray in the time in between Jesus' departure and his return. Because there'll be many false Christs, false saviors that arise. There'll be tribulation. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Even the temple will be destroyed before Christ's return. And he says, but don't let that perceived delay, because it's taking longer than we expect, to cause you to go astray, to, to follow some other false savior. Don't give up being faithful to Christ and his mission. So that's the context of our scripture now. Matthew 24, verse 36. And Jesus here, as you'll see, he's going to emphasize that, you know, no one knows when Jesus return, will return. But that shouldn't cause us to be complacent as in, ah, eh, no one knows, no big deal. But rather, it should cause us to be ready at, any at all times because we know he is returning. We just don't know when. So let me stop giving you context and read the scripture. Uh, the scripture is Matthew 24, uh, verses 36 through 51. So Jesus is speaking here. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. So does anyone know? No, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware, until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect." Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus here, he uses a couple of illustrations to emphasize what I think are his, his two main points. The first point is that he will return. That's certain. But the other thing that's certain is no one knows the day or the hour he'll return. Okay? So he emphasizes those certainties. But then also, because of that, we should be ready. 
We should be ready at all times because we don't know. So it's not like, ah, I don't know, so I don't have to worry. It's no, we don't know, so we should be ready at all times today, tomorrow, all the time. And he uses a couple of illustrations. First, he uses the example from the flood of Noah's day. That before that great day of judgment, that everyone other than Noah and his family was just living life as if they always had. And so when the flood came, they were unprepared. They were swept away. And when Jesus returns, he says it's going to be similar, that people will be going about their daily tasks. Farmers will be farming, and you know, one will be taken away, one left. Women will be grinding grain at the, at the mill, and we don't necessarily do that anymore, but maybe buying you know, King Arthur flour at Stop and Shop or something. And uh, you know, one will be taken, the other left. And, and the point is, don't be unprepared for his arrival. I mean, yes, we have to go about our daily task, but there always has to be this idea that what if today's the day that either Jesus comes to us or we go to meet him? And then he gives another illustration. If a homeowner knows when a thief would come that night, then they stay awake to prevent the break-in. Now, we don't know the day or the hour, but we know that Jesus is coming back, so we should have that same vigilance because we allow ourselves to fall asleep and we're not ready. Jesus gives one more illustration, and this is a form of a parable, and it's a little bit long, um, so I read, I'm going to read it separately, but this is in the next section, chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. He tells one more parable to help us understand these truths. He says, verse 25, verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the doors were shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So when Jesus told this parable, it helped the people of that day understand some of his points. Now, for us, it's a little harder because we don't do weddings the same way they did them, so it's a, a little bit harder. Also, um, you know, when we hear that term virgins, we think of people's sexual history, but really this is more emphasizing that these are just young women, okay? And so it's these young women who make up the wedding party. And what would happen is that there would be the exchange of vows between the bride and groom, and then those of the wedding party they would wait, and then there would be this big, big procession into the wedding feast. And that's what these 10 young women are waiting for, is that the, 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 the wedding ceremony has already taken place. Now they're going to the wedding feast, and they're supposed to meet the groom. They're supposed to meet the bride and go in with them. And it's a, it's a joyous time. The wedding feasts in that day were the time where there was such abundance. There was joy. Everyone wanted to go to the wedding feasts. And if you were a part of the wedding party, a part of what you were to do is to go in in the procession. 
And it says that five of these young women were wise, five of them were foolish. And the wise ones, they knew, all right, when the groom and the bride come, then we need to go with them. And what if they're delayed? What if it takes longer than we expect? Well, we better buy more oil so that whenever they come, we can go in with them. We'll be ready. And the other five, they were foolish. They, they weren't prepared because what happened was that they, they were delayed. They didn't come till midnight. The, the groom didn't come till midnight. And because of that, they fell asleep. But even the ones who fell asleep, if they were wise, they still had oil. So they woke up and they uh, put the oil in their lamps and they were able to go into the wedding feast and they celebrated. But the foolish ones, they didn't have enough oil. So they had to go and, and buy some from the dealers. But when they came back, the procession had already been finished and the doors were shut. They had lost their chance. They wanted to go in but they missed out. Now here's just a, a little point on interpreting parables is even if you didn't, under, if you don't understand a parable, a lot of times at the end, Jesus would sort of say his main point again, just in case you missed it. In the verse 13, he says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So the main point is be watchful because we don't know when the groom is coming. So the main point here for all of these things is no one knows the day or the hour, but we know he will return. So we need to be ready at all times because we don't want to miss out on that wedding feast. That's why when uh, in the Bible, oftentimes the end of time, the, the restoration, the day of judgment is often compared to a wedding feast because it's going to be a time of great joy. It's a time where the groom Christ returns. And God wants us to be in that eternal wedding feast. That's why Jesus came the first time. When we don't, when he returns, we need to be ready. So a couple of like, how does this apply? Some applications to the scripture we just sort of hopefully understand now uh, better is no one, I want to sort of speak to the Christian community, ourselves included, one of the things that's clear is no one knows the day or the hour. So stop trying to guess it. <laughs> I mean, we actually make ourselves less ready because our energy goes into knowing something you, we can't know. All right? In history, there's a long history of well-meaning Christians picking the wrong day. Saying the wrong day. The, it, the, the first example, since it's up, is Harold Camping. Uh, one of his more famous predictions, he predicted Jesus would return on a couple occasions wrongly each time. But his most famous was he said that uh, Judgment Day, Jesus would return on May 21st, 2011. Um, he didn't come back, by the, by the way, in case you said that. He didn't. So Jesus did not return in 2011. But Harold Camping did go and stand before the Lord in 2013, because that's when he died. But there's so many more examples. Um, the, the Millerites, William, yeah, William Miller predicted Jesus would return on October 22nd, 1844. So my birthday's October 22nd, it was later than 1844. But... <laughs> He, Jesus didn't return that day either. 
And but from that messed up prediction came what we know as the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, the Millerites became the Seventh-day Adventists. And Adventists, you know, why, I know the Seventh-day thing, they, they do it on Saturday, but the Adventists, because they came from a movement that expected to advent the second coming of Jesus. Now, you might think, okay, they were wrong, and they kind of smartened up, and many of them have, but um, then... In the 1950s, there was more fervor in the Seventh-day Adventist movement because then they said Jesus is going to return on October 22nd, 1964. And the reason they said that was because <laughs> it's 120 years later. Like, okay, what's the, the, the uh, attachment? Well, in our scripture, remember Matthew 24, 37, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. So they went back to the scriptures, looked, all right, what does it talk about Noah? And in Genesis 6, 3, it talks about God saying, all right, I'm not going to dwell with man forever. His years will not be more than 120. And like, oh, 120. So all right, after the great disappointment of 1844, what's 120 years later? 1964. So Jesus is returning October 22nd, 1964. He did not. So the point is here from history is I could give you many more examples going back to the second century. And that is we need to stop putting our energy into trying to figure out when exactly Jesus will return because no one knows and instead live faithfully with the day we have today. Because so many times in, in our heads, we're trying to find out information, which Jesus clearly says we cannot know. And that keeps us or, or it, it distracts us from being faithful with today, with this year. So we need to be ready at all times, we, even, even at nighttime, like these, the, the, the wise virgins. And again, if you're a scoffer and you're like, ah, Jesus is not going to return in 2024, he hasn't yet. Well, then again, for... Whether he returns to us or we return to him, the principle is the same. That we do not know the day or the hour we will stand before him. So we need to be ready. Don't be caught unprepared. 2024 could be the last year. So, all right. So one application is, all right, stop trying to guess the day. <laughs> but I think the more important application is, is we need to actually be ready. And how do we do that? Well, I think we can, we, as we look at Jesus' teaching here, he gives us how we can be ready. In th that one parable in verse 45, he, he tells this, this illustration of the wise and uh, faithful servant and then the, the wicked one. And he compares those two. And that is um, an illustration for us that just as the wise servant um, was faithful waiting for the master to come back, we too can be faithful. So the ready one, let's look at that one. So in verse 45, it says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he'll set him over his, all of his possessions. So here we see, what is a good servant? Well, the good servant is doing whatever their master tells them to do until he returns. So right there, that suggests a mind shift for us that we need to think of ourselves as servants of God, that God is the master. 
that we're not, and that he entrusts us with things. He entrusted us with 2023. He entrusts us with, with our, our, um, our talents and, and our finances. Remember the, the parable right after the, I'm not going to read this, but we read it a couple of weeks ago. It talks about stewardship, the, 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 the parable of the talents, where the master gives his servants things to use and to put to work until he returns. And it's the same idea here that God is giving us things. He's given, he's, he's blessed us, and we're to use these things not just for ourselves, but for God's kingdom and for the good of other people. So we're, we're good stewards, we're good servants. We're taking God's things and using them for his purposes. And we're ready because we're following the master's directions. And you contrast that with a servant who's not ready in verse 48. Jesus says, but if that wicked servant says to himself, so here's a different way to be a servant. He says, my master's delayed. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and he will cut him into pieces and throw him with the hypocrites. So this person disregards what his master's wishes are and basically starts to act as if he owns the place. So one of the basic ways that we can be ready is to shift our minds into realizing that we are not the master. We're not God. And, and we're not ready for Jesus' return when we start acting as if we are the master and, and using God's blessings just on ourselves or instead of taking what God has given us to bless others, we actually start to use and abuse other people. And next week I'll go into this more, but one of the primary ways to be ready for Jesus' return, one of the primary ways that Jesus said our faithfulness will be judged is by how we treat other people, fellow servants. The mark of faithfulness is not knowledge, oh, I know all about the end times, or gifting, oh, this guy can really speak, or this guy can teach, or this guy can do this. It's our love for other people, how we treat other people. We'll get into that next week. But for, day, for today, how are we actually prepared? Again, it starts with a radical shift in our minds. It says, I'm not God. And his kingdom is bigger than my kingdom. Now, everything in our culture screams against this because we're supposed to be the master of our domain. The chief value, the, treat, the, the, the chief measure of life is our autonomy. You do you. You make yourself happy. Get your bucket list of all of the things that you've ever wanted to do and do that. But we're not God. We're not all that there is. God's kingdom has broken through in Christ. And one day it will be fully and finally established at his second coming. There'll be that wedding banquet of joy. And we're invited to that. But it's not about us. If you've ever been invited to a wedding... You know, it's not about you. You're there as a guest. Maybe you're even a part of the wedding party that gets to dance on the way in. <laughs> but if you act as if that wedding is about you, no, it's not. And so one of the primary ways to be prepared is acknowledge. And, and maybe some of you need to do that today, is you have never acknowledged God as your master is that you've been trying to master your life, you've been trying to gain control of everything, 
But no, acknowledge that God is the master. He is God, you are not. And Christ is our savior. That's the first step to being ready because that then changes how we look at the world. It changes how we look at life. And then we remind ourselves, we put things into perspective of the two certainties that Christ will return. We will stand before our master one day, but we don't know when. It could be this year. And then the other way we prepare is while we wait, we keep doing what the master told us to do. Because being ready, it's not about knowledge. It's not like, oh, you know, I've memorized the Bible. Well, do you live it? Faithfulness with God um, is about living, loving God and loving people. And God, he's entrusted you. He gave you 2023. And as I look back at my 2023, there's some things that I can say, yes, I, I was a, a faithful servant in those things. But then there's other things that I'm like, no, I was not a faithful servant in these things. But as we look forward to 2024, we can say, thank you, God, for giving me another year. I want to be a good steward of this year. I want to use this year, not just for myself, but for you and, and your purposes and to, to cause your kingdom to expand in my world, in my life, in the places that I go. And so we'll use God for, excuse me, will you use this year for God and his purposes? Instead of a bucket list, and I mean, I have a bucket list. There's all sorts of things, yes, I want to do before I kick the bucket. <laughs> but, but really, it's, it's not, uh, you know, living life, living 2024 to the fullest isn't about fulfilling all of my desires to truly be, have a fulfilling year. I, I need to live into God's kingdom. And not just be, have a bucket list, but have a honey-do list. <laughs> In other words, a list that God has said, all right, honey, because he loves us, you know. you know. These are the things that I have for you to do to have a rewarding 2020 feet for where you're living beyond yourself and you're blessing others, that you're praising God. And so what has God put before you for this year that you know, in order to be a faithful servant, these are the things I need to step into. Maybe there are things you, they're scary, they're way beyond your capacity. But if God has told you to step into those things, then that's where the rewarding year comes by stepping into those. Maybe there's some things, though, that God says, you need to knock these things off. They're not good for you. You need to stop doing those things. Part of being ready is saying, okay, I'm stepping away from those things because I want to step fully into God's kingdom because he may be returning this year. I may meet him tomorrow. And again, I don't say this to scare you or to scare me because we don't need to be scared because God loves us. Jesus came the first time. We celebrated Christmas that Jesus, that God came to earth, incarnate flesh, incarnate deity. Why? Why would he do that? Because he loves us. He doesn't want that wonderful banquet, eternal banquet to happen without us. So he comes the first time, gives his life, takes away all of our sin so that he can then extend that invitation. And we're like those pure virgins who can come into his wedding feast. So don't be scared. You don't need to be. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He has proved that he wants us to be with him for eternity. 
And so I say these things, oh, this might be the last year. Some of you will not be here for all of 2024. I don't say that to scare you. I say that because it's real. It's true. It's the truth whether we like it or not. But so is the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, would go into that eternal banquet. Because this year might go by quickly, but eternity goes on and on. And God, he wants us to be in that eternal banquet and enjoy him forever. And so let's not step into 2024 sort of scared, like, oh, it might be my last year. I better wisen up. No, it's like 2024 might be my last year. So I want to be ready to meet my Savior who died for me. That he has a year set up for each one of us where we can live into a story bigger than our own. That we can, we can start to head towards that wedding feast and some of that goodness the Holy Spirit can pour down into our life now so that 2024 can be a truly life-changing year, a new year with, with new life. But are we ready for that? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful because as we sung, you are so, so good. And Lord, we confess that even though we know in our heads that you will come again or that we'll go to meet you, some of us this year, we confess that we're not ready so much of the time. So Lord, we pray that at the beginning of 2024, we put this year into your hands. Lord, for each one of us, Holy Spirit, I pray you would move about the sanctuary. You'd be speaking to our hearts, each one of us, Lord, that you would be giving us that honey-do list, things to take up, things to lay down, so that, Lord, when we meet you face-to-face, it'll be a time of rejoicing. So speak to us now, Lord, as we sing this last song. We do it rejoicing in who you are. We do it thankful that no matter how fast the years go by, eternity goes on and on. We thank you for that gift. Lord, make us ready and show us how. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.